0: This is the Fly the W670 podcast, season one, episode 58. Meet the new Cubs, and we encourage you to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast and to follow all of our socials Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook. Of course, we'd love to email with us Fly the W670 at gmail.com i'm dustin rhodes executive producer of the mullion haw show on 670 the score your radio home for all things cubs baseball and uh, as we're right around the corner from christmas crowley welcome to uh uh, happy uh wednesday or it's thursday now and uh, also the uh last day of school for you so you are officially on uh christmas break congratulations to you on that
1: i am a free man and i gotta tell you dustin i am excited um the Cubs did have introductory press conferences for three of their uh, offseason signings, Dansby Swanson, Jamison Tyone, and center fielder Cody Bellinger. And Dustin, it was announced today that uh, they got their catcher, Tucker Barnhart, right?
0: That's who we were thinking.
1: Yeah. And so he's going to pair up with Jan Gomes, two-year uh, two t- with the 2024 being a player option. And so that's per John Heyman, Odyssey Insider. So, Pretty cheap,
0: right? Six point five million guaranteed. Could get up to nine and a half million if uh, everything goes right for him.
1: Pending physical, which we we know now with uh, Carlos Correa. <laughs> Pending <doesn't>... physical. Yeah. <laughs> you, you take that a little bit more serious now. But in all seriousness, Dustin, you know, I, I think everyone knows I was bummed when they got Correa. And the last time you and I spoke, and we talked a little bit, I was not super excited. You know, okay, we got Dansby Swanson. You know, kind of the last one standing, but. I got to tell you something. Obviously, with everything that happened with Correa, and I don't know, that's a bizarre story. They said it was something to do with a leg that broke before he ever made it to the majors. Some weird stuff as far as why that fell apart for San Francisco. It now, sounds
0: like they got cold feet on uh, $13 and $350 million. That's what it sounds like to me.
1: I'll agree 100% because they went back to Scott Boris and said, hey, what do you do, less years and less money? And Scott Boris is like, I know a guy named uncle stevie who has plenty of money <laughs> and there he was off to the mets but you know i don't i don't know how much of that is, you know there i'm sure there'll be uh, some sort of documentary on what happened with that one day
0: what but, if i told you
1: <laughs> i gotta tell you I, I after i listened to all the press conferences from the three guys that they introduced this week swanson uh tyone and bellinger and i gotta tell you that especially with tyone and and uh, swanson I wasn't super excited about the Swanson signing, but after listening to this guy and talking to a couple people about him, I am way more on board than I was the last time we talked. I'm feeling a lot better about this and who he is as a person, uh, what he brings to the team, um, not to mention the fact that you know, you like I said, I just wish they would have spent some of the money that they saved not getting one of the other three guys and got a better uh, catchback catcher than uh, Tucker Barnhart. But you know, it is what it is. But I came away. Very impressed with Dansby as far as his his leadership, his intensity, and his sincerity, right? Yeah, I I
0: couldn't agree with you more, Crowley. I've got to admit, I admitted this morning on the Mullion Haw show, that after that press conference, I've got a little bit of a man crush. As much as it's okay for one man to really dig on another man, I am digging on Dansby Swanson. I know we're going to share some of the audio with our listeners in a second, but you know, when you go through this, if, you, if you're going into this with a kind of a, a mixed feeling on him like you were, Crowley, um, I'm just telling you that when you get done listening to some of the audio, we've got selected for you to listen to. It's okay if you don't want to admit it out loud. I'll be that guy. I'll admit it out loud. I have a little bit of a man crush on Dansby Swanson. If he can play three quarters as well as he handled all the media he did over the last 24 hours, the Cubs are going to feel like this is a bargain, Crowley.
1: Not only that, I think it's the intangibles that are going to make a huge difference as far as when I think about stuff that I've heard Korea say in the past, and then listening to listening to Dansby, now I, I feel like I owe Jed Hoyer an apology, and maybe I'll buy him a beer at CubsCon. Con. But uh, I, 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 would, <laughs> I would I would say that you know he's gonna uh, run
0: the other way if he sees you and I Crowley. Come on,
1: I think at the very least he'll make sure that it's it's got a cap and not an open bottle. So I think uh, you know we'll see what happens. But here's you know you know obviously the Cubs have gone through a few years of losing. And, um, you know, you talk about trying to bring a winning culture into the clubhouse. And and one thing I do want to say about Jed and these signings, those three guys. When you talk about Jamison Tyone from the New York Yankees, when you talk about uh, Cody Bellinger from the Dodgers, and when you talk about Swanson from the Braves, those are three teams, three organizations, that just in general are bring a winning culture into the the mix, And so I don't think that Jed's just getting guys that he thinks are going to be good physical players on the field. They bring an attitude that I think is sorely needed in this team um, and, and, and some good veteran um, leadership. And so here's Dan's response on winning.
2: Winning is, uh, it's uh, it starts like with the mentality. It starts with the belief that each and every day that you're not showing up wanting to win, you're showing up. That you're going to win. It's never an if. It's just a matter of when. And I think that that's that's kind of like the first start, right? And and when you start to win, it really starts to build confidence. Uh, you know, in in this organization, it starts to build confidence within your teammates. Winning baseball is really just about playing the game to win. And I know it sounds super cliche, but there are so many times and examples where you can tell, like, oh, this guy, you know, he's doing this for himself, or you know, he was wanting to do this to get the RBI instead of moving the runner or whatever. And there's just so many instances where there's teaching moments of where, you know, if we're, if, if everything that we're doing is, you know, instead of me saying, I'm going to go out and strike out six guys today, it's like, no, I'm going to pitch to win today. Sometimes it's, it might be eight strikeouts, nine strikeouts. Some days it might be two with the mentality of pitching to win, hitting to win, playing defense to win. um, At the end of the day, you just have to have more runs on the board than they do at the end of the game. And when, as a team, you can collectively say we're looking to do things to win, and that's all that matters. Whether I go 0 for 4, 4 for 4, and if I go 4 for 4 and we lose, I'm not a happy camper. You can ask my wife. Yeah. Like <laughs> we don't do losing. it's like not <laughs> that's not something we like. Um, so the the important goal is winning. That's like the only stat that matters. And bringing that sort of philosophy is is really really important. It's something important to get all the guys to buy into, which. They will. That's, that's just who we are at our core um, and, you know, who I believe that we'll be going forward. He
0: wants to fly the W, Crowley. He yeah. wants to fly the W. He's all about winning.
1: Did But, but didn't that get, like, the goosebumps going a little bit? Absolutely.
0: Up? You got to love that guy.
1: I will tell you what dustin there's there's a famous story about david ross right and we it just was the anniversary i think this last week of when he signed with the cubs in 2014. he comes out to spring training and what is he right he's a journeyman backup catcher is what he is and who and if you remember in 2015 one of the big stars was rizzo and the other was starlin castro and they had just got lester and some other guys but they're doing the spring training drills the story goes and castro was lollygagging and David Ross called his ass out in front of everybody. This is why you guys are the Cubs. This is why you're losing. This is why you got the history you do and, and literally like tore into it, right? He just wasn't going to accept it. And from that moment on, Ross was kind of like, he was, you know, people always say Rizzo the captain. He, Rizzo's not the guy that kind of snap people and get them in order, you know what I mean? That's what David, that's what David Ross brought. And I see a lot of that, except as a better player, Swanson than David Ross ever was on the field. But just that leadership quality of what you expect from a winning organization. And it doesn't matter if you go 4 for 4 if you lose. He's absolutely right.
0: Yeah, he, he just says, I mean, if that was the only, and we have more audio to share, if that was the only piece of audio we played from Dansby Swanson, you should have a little man crush on Dansby Swanson <laughs> right now.
1: Oh, God, we're such meatballs. But um, they asked Dansby Swanson, you know, where where does he need – to improve right like what part of his game does he think um you know has to kind of go to can he bring maybe up to the next level and when he talked about that dustin you remember i I was kind of concerned on about the offense right i was concerned that you know was he uh going to be going up was he going to be going down What, what what is the real dansby swanson is it the 2018 dansby swanson or the the 2022 at Dansby swans and I think he addressed it really well here in this next clip.
2: Um is a thing that has continued to get more and more consistent every year, uh, and I've continued to grow uh, in experience as a hitter. Um, obviously, the power has has become you know a lot more prevalent than most people probably would have thought. Uh, my biggest thing now is just the, a little bit more of the average piece, the the swing and miss in zone, um, which has led to obviously more strikeouts than I would like. Uh, it's not something that I want. Uh, I don't like to strike out. Nobody likes to strike out. It's obviously a part of the game, but some of that can be a little bit, uh, you know, like, like my own fault, essentially just with some of the swing and miss in zone. Uh, so just wanting to get better uh, at that, being able to spray the ball around the field a lot more consistently. Uh, which you know typically leads to better to better results overall. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing for me. Uh, Carter and I have already had some discussions about that, uh, and I think you know just I think that's kind of like a spot on assessment of what's of what's kind of like the next step in becoming uh, you know the player I want to be.
1: All right. So he he recognizes that offensively, you know, the the strikeouts are an issue, and uh, you know that is something that. He, he he's aware of and he wants to work on. And so the one thing he did say though, and you brought this up on the last episode, uh, Dustin, when I was looking at the numbers is he said, Hey, look, man, they're getting better every year. You know, it was just, a, to me, it was a significant jump between 2021 and 20 between before 2021, all of a sudden you saw this big jump, but if he can keep that average and he brought about that, he brought that up a little bit, if he can still have the pop, but kind of work on that batting average, then he's not a guy that walks a lot. He doesn't have an high on base percentage. So as long as he can work on that and hopefully improve on that, he can take the next step and be even a better player offensively.
0: Yep, and that's exactly what we're hoping for. That's exactly what we want. And he does replace a little bit of the power that they lost when Wilson Contreras went down to uh, St. Louis.
1: Now, the next video clip I, it screamed Dustin to me. I was like, oh, my God, th- that's when I knew you were in love. When I heard this next clip, all right, he was asked about playing 162 games in a season.
2: There was some pushback, but we, uh, I just think, I mean, this is, in a way, I mean, this is my job, right? Like, you guys show up to work every day, and if you're not there, I'll give you a hard time. So, um, (laughs) but I mean, that's, that's the job. The job requires 162 games plus whatever is left in October, and it's important to show up each and every day ready to play, ready to win. Um, Obviously, showing up isn't, you know, it's not just about showing up. It's about showing up the right way and and doing that to win. But I've always prided myself in playing each and every day and, you know, been very blessed, you know, by the good Lord to stay healthy the last three years, Um, have learned a lot about myself and the people I need to surround myself with in order to be able to do that. Uh, And I just feel like it's another – like you said, just the kind of another step to wanting to get better and to really uh, you know, get more and more into my potential and surround myself with the right people. So I've learned more and more about myself every year. Uh, you know you know the COVID year played all 60 but 160 of our games in 21 and then all 162 last year. So uh, understanding how to do that's important. Um, I'm sure me and Rossi will get into it in a good way um, about playing and, and not taking days off um but yeah it's just a, that's like that's the standard you know you show up and play that's that's what we do and uh you know if we want to win then we have to have our best players out there each and every night
0: yes Crowley, i'm in love yep that, that <laughs> that's a that is a hook line and sinker love a guy that knows that the uh the value of work work ethic yes i am all i'm all in on on that i, I will i will say this and um I don't want to see him play all 162 games. I want him to be available for 162 games. I think about 155 would be perfect because I want him to be fresh in October.
1: Did, did you notice though, Dustin, that, that when he talks about like he doesn't talk about 162 games, he talks about 162 games plus. Yes. Like in his yep. mind, he's already talking postseason, man. That's, oh, that's yeah. where that's where his he didn't.
0: Co- I don't think he. I don't think he only came to Chicago for 177 million.
1: No, and, and, and just by like kind of listening the way he talks and, and how much he talks about winning and how important it is and how much he despises losing, you're not going to sign up for a team that you don't think is going to be better. And, and so, you know, think about that. In the last three seasons, obviously the COVID season was goofy, 60, whatever. He's missed three games. <laughs> he hasn't started three games in three seasons, you know what I mean? Which basically like what, what we talked a little bit like two and a third, but that's still unbelievable.
0: And that was one of the boxes that he checked that Carlos Correa didn't check. Because if I right. had a guess, Carlos Correa probably missed 60 games over the last three years.
1: And, and and so, yeah, just absolutely, you know, he doesn't want the meatloaf lineup. He doesn't want the Sunday getaway day lineup. He wants to be in there with the best players playing. The only thing I would kind of pump the brake on, and this is where a guy like David Ross really comes in handy to be able, I, like I said, he talked, like Dansby jokingly talked about getting into it with Rossi about it is that you do have to pace yourself because of day games at Wrigley are a little bit more than everywhere else. So, you know, just easy does it and and, and, and kind of be smart about it. And then, you know, go from there. Um, obviously the thing that we knew about Dansby going into, um, into the signing is that he was the guy that had the best glove that we talked about and having him and Nico up the middle uh, was going to be a big deal. And so, that, that's kind of what this next clip is
2: about. Um, to me, you're only as you're only as good as your your four defenders in the middle. So well, obviously pitching is a big part of it, but center field shortstop, second base, and catcher. Uh, and I feel like the group that we have is is pretty elite in that category. Belly's obviously a great center fielder. Jan's had a lot of experience, you know, behind the plate, and then uh, Nico and myself just really feel like that as a defensive unit, we can be as solid as anybody. Uh, obviously it's going to take a little bit of time to get you know used to one another in the communication but uh from everything that i've heard you know about nico that he's just a winner the guy wants to win he's a baseball player you give him a glove and he's going to go play and he's obviously really really good at it uh you know when you kind of combine that kind of mentality uh with how you know i like to do things that it, us- it usually you know fits like a glove and i really no pun intended but um it usually fits really well and uh you know something that I'm really looking forward to in spring training, just getting out there and probably going to suggest to Rossi that he makes our schedules the exact same so we can play, you know, as many games as possible together uh, in spring training. He's got a lot of thoughts. I, I don't, you know, I wonder if David
0: Ross listened to that and was kind of grinding his teeth. Like, just remember, I'm the skipper. You're the player. I'll let you know when I want you to get off your feet. I will write the lineups for spring training. Tap the brakes a little bit, Dansby Swanson.
1: But, see, I love it because he – so, you you know, Nico, his whole trajectory has just been bizarre, right? Like, absolutely, he was sitting at home when he got called up, when the Cubs, like, burned through a whole bunch of shortstops. what was that 2018? It was 2018, and Addison Russell got hit in the head, got concussion, and they had to call him up because Addison was the last guy they had. And so I think that this is going to be really good for Nico to have this kind of, like, mentor, right? this guy, this respected guy next to him that can kind of work with him. And the fact that Dansby wants to work on that communication and get that ironed out, he wants to be, if that's what it's going to be, which we know it is, is Dansby is short and Nico is second, then let us get as many reps as humanly possible so we're ready to hit the ground running at day one. So I agree 100%, and I'm sure Rossi has no problem in getting, because that's this is what this is all about, Dustin. It's the defensive alignment that he talked about, Gomes and catching, Nico and uh, Dansby in short and Bellinger in center and getting that turn, the double play turn, the communication, all that kind of stuff is just absolutely going to be huge. So let's just, let's get it, let's get it going, right? Let's get it on. Now, being a minor league junkie like I am, I got to tell you is that somebody did ask Dansby about the minor leagues, right? And so you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know, uh, what, what does Dansby Swanson know about the Cubs minor leagues? And I think his answer to me was just incredible. Here we go.
2: Uh, that's, I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I came from a place that was very heavy into, uh, you know, the development of younger guys and having an influx of younger guys. And I feel like if you want to be good for one year, you sign a lot of free agents. You want to be good for a long time, you learn how to develop uh, and have talent at the minor league level. And that's something that the Cubs have. They have a lot of good depth, they have a lot of players with some star potential. You know, Pete Kerr Armstrong is obviously one of them. Uh, Brennan Davis is another. Uh, There's a lot of guys that uh, have potential to be, you know, high level contributors. And so you start to supplement a big league team with those kinds of guys. You take the pressure off them to perform. Uh, You allow them to just be themselves and to be able to, you know, learn what it means to be a pro. You guide them along the way, you love them a little bit. and, you know, they start to grow and blossom as players. And then, uh, you know, it, just, it, it really kind of makes for, like, this organic development and growth as an organization that then makes it even more attractive for, you know, whatever free agents you would want to bring on. Uh, and, and you really start to build, you know, a team that is capable of winning at a very high level.
1: So a couple things. Awesome that he names dro- name drops Pete Crow Armstrong and Brennan Davis, right? So this guy, this guy's in the Paying room. attention. He's paying, paying attention. attention, right? He's the done his that, research. Yeah. The thing that he brings up, though, that's important, and, and God, you know, how many times, I, I've brought this up a bajillion times. You don't want to just throw Matt Mervis into the fire. That rarely ever works. Even if you remember Kyle Schwarber, you know, he came up, you know, 2015 and did really well, and we were all excited about 2016. He had the catastrophic injury. But then 2017, oh, you're leading off. Like, it just – I wonder how much that screwed up his development. You know what I mean? Like, you can't put the pressure on these young guys. Do not forget that they – that it's not that easy. Most guys are not Mike Trout and come up and absolutely dominate forever, right? It sometimes is a process. And if you don't have to rely on your minor league guys to be the key contributors, if they're just a component, if they can just develop, they will become great players. But if you put too much pressure on them, if you you make them do something they're not ready to do yet, you can absolutely stunt their development. And that is what I do not want to see happen with any of these guys that are going to be coming up, including Matt Mertz.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point, Crowley, and I agree with you. And that's what's a little bit disappointing is I'm really curious to see who the Cubs are able to get. And the good news is is that Jed was on the score earlier today with Mully and Haw, and he said that they're not done. You know, they're, they're still, The big blocks are in place, but there is still things to be done. He mentioned catcher. They filled that after he was on. First base, he mentioned they're working on it. He also mentioned starting pitching and back of the bullpen. But let's stick with what we're talking about with Matt Mervis. I wish they had gotten in a little earlier and gotten a little bit better of a player to help with Mervis at first base. I'm very interested to see what they do there or if their plan potentially is Patrick Wisdom being over there with Matt Mervis and then some type of a DH platoon thing going on.
1: Right, And, and Patrick Wisdom has shown he's very good at first. Uh, the last clip that we got for everybody is just because we are meatballs and we want to cry a little bit. Um, well, if the- this
0: one doesn't nail it down, then you don't have a pulse, Cub fans. Come on, here we go. This is this is this is the uh, cherry on top, if you will.
1: Like like if this guy just didn't absolutely make all of Chicago fall in love with him with this one, I don't know what would.
2: Um, so I, I've pretty much mentioned to everyone like being a Cub means more to me than people would realize. Um, it's no secret that left my hometown team uh, to be here, and I've kept telling everyone that it's more personal to me. So, Mallory and I got married December 10th. The next morning we found out that my grandfather um, was not doing so well, um, that he was in hospice, and so we pretty much left our wedding venue the next morning, uh, drove home, and basically had to rush over to the senior living facility where he was at, and, we were so he ended up uh, passing away on the day after we got married and the one thing that just always stood out was he lived across the yard from my parents and I and my brother and sister and so every day when I would come home from school I would run up to his house I'd run in and pretty much like demand that he come outside and hit me ground balls which he would always do, but every time I walked in, he would have a Cubs game on Um, back when I was on WGN. And I can't look at my parents. Um, He would have a Cubs game on, and I was always like, Pops, we're in Atlanta, dude, like we're Braves fans. And it was just something he loved baseball so much, and all he ever wanted me to be was doing what I'm doing now. So having won a championship in Atlanta for one of his favorite teams we just felt that the Cubs which were his second favorite team that bringing a championship to the city was just what we have felt called to do so to be able to play for two of my grandfather's two favorite teams um, means literally like the world to me so thank you and I'm glad I got through that without crying.
0: game set match okay game set match okay I I mean I've never been a guy that's wanted to run out and buy a jersey and put another man's name on my back but I might go to Dick's and look for a t-shirt a Dansby Swanson t-shirt if anybody knows where I can get one of those I want one of those under my tree in the next couple of days
1: the jersey we'll get you one don't worry Dustin but absolutely WGN going home and afternoon games I mean there's nothing better than that
0: nothing better than that